Hey everyone, welcome to the Tuya Christian Fellowship Podcast. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to give online, see upcoming events, or view our service times, please visit our website at tcf.church. It is Senior Sunday. I'm going to be preaching uh, to some of our seniors, uh, but also this applies to everybody. Uh, we're going to be talking about purpose this morning and what, what your purpose is. It says, what on earth am I here for? And I know that everybody in the room has had those thoughts. You've gone through times in your life. You still go through times in your life where you think, what am I here to do? Uh, I know probably in, in your job, in your profession, uh, Dad and I always kind of joke, you know, you know, you can think like, man, I'm getting out of the ministry, right? I'm going to go work at Home Depot. I don't want to, I don't want to do this. You know, uh, I just want to go work a uh, nine to, you know, eight to five kind of job. I'm getting out of here. I'm not doing this anymore. I don't want to be passionate. You know, you know, I'll ask dad, when did, when did you know, when did you decide that like, man, I'm going to be a, pa- I'm going to be in the ministry. And he's like, oh, about a week ago, you know, I made up my mind that, man, I, I think I'm going to stick with this. I think I'm going to do this. And so I know that you can always kind of think, man, what's my purpose? What am I here for? What am I supposed to be doing? And so I know that applies to everybody, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning. So before we jump in, let's pray, and then we'll get into the scripture. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus, and Father, I pray that as I speak, that it's not my words, but your words, Father, that you would speak through me. I pray that our hearts and our ears would be open and ready to receive what you have for us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. We've all wondered what our purpose is, and maybe even to the point of where do I belong or where do I fit in. We all want to fit in. We all want to fit in somewhere with somebody, uh, and we've all had those thoughts. And from about kindergarten, maybe even a little before, you get bombarded with what do you want to be when you grow up? Right, if you have little kids right now, Annie is is three and a half. And if you ask her, she's like, I want to be a unicorn that turns into a mermaid. So she's like, what do you want to be when you grow up? A unicorn that turns into a mermaid. And that's that's an awesome dream. And I hope that works out for her. And uh I mean, you know, anything's possible. But you know, as you get into kindergarten, you get a little older, you get school age, you know, kids are like, Well, you know, I want to be a fireman, I want to be a policeman, I want to be uh, a mailman, you know, uh, I want to be a race car driver, I want to be an artist, I want to be a dancer or a singer. And you get bombarded with what do you want to be when you grow up? And because one of the things that we do, especially in our culture, is we tie our identity to our occupation. We tie our identity to our occupation, and our occupation turns into who we are. What do men do when they get together? Okay, you go to men's retreat, you sit around at a table, and some guy will come sit down you don't know, and every man there will be like, what do you do? If you're like Terry Luker, you're like, I'm a highway patrolman. Coolest job ever. Everybody else is like, I don't have a job. I'm homeless, right? How do you follow up from that? You know, if I travel with my father-in-law, Don Schulting, you know, and you're like, uh, you know, somebody's like, hey, what do you do? Oh, I'm a, you know, I'm a rancher run cow-calf operation, you know? Like, what do you do? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a youth pastor, you know? Yeah. I'm trying to get kids saved. You know, you're just like, I, don't, I, I work for that guy. I don't, I don't have a job. You know, nobody's like, you know. And so, but we tie our identity into our occupation that turns into who we are. As you get older, you get into, you know, your sophomore, junior, senior year of high school, it really starts to get serious. You know, what do you want to do? Where do you want to go to college? Where are you going to get your degree in? I had a girl come up for prayer a couple weeks ago, and she just finished her freshman year of college, and she said, I think I've changed my major four times, right? And she's like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. 
right? And you, you go from, you can't decide what cereal to eat for breakfast, right? If you want cinnamon toast crunched, right? Uh, you, you know, or Cheerios, you don't know, you know, do I want a Pop-Tart or a toaster strudel, right? But then, hey, decide what you're going to do with the rest of your life. What's my purpose? What am I supposed to do? And so that's what I want us to talk about this morning. And I think to find out our purpose, we need to go all the way back to the beginning of the Bible. We're going to go all the way to Genesis at the very beginning. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, and this is out of the New King James. It says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Now, I always think it's interesting when, they, when, when God, you know, wrote this out that he repeated himself. God created man in his own image because he knew you'd be like, what? What do you mean? And he's like, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now, right there we know. Everybody hopefully knows and understands that you were created in the image of God, that God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they're all three one, but they're all three separate. I don't understand how it works. I don't want to try to explain how it works, okay? I don't understand how, how they're all separate, but they are all God, okay? And in that image, we were created. We were designed, okay? Image, in the original Hebrew, the word image that you see, you see says, uh, in the Hebrew, translates to selim, okay? Selim is what it translates, and it mean, means likeness or resemblance. Likeness or resemblance. Tabby, could we put that verse back up, please? Thank you. It says, so God created man in his own likeness and resemblance. In his likeness and resemblance, God created him, male and female, he created them. We were created in the likeness and the resemblance of God. Okay, you were created in that. And, and I think just let that sink in. Let that settle in your heart that you were created in the image of God. No matter what's been said, no matter what's been told, no matter what you've heard growing up, it's all lies from the devil because you were created in the image of God. God is perfect. You are a reflection of perfection right? You were created in the image, the likeness of God. Our main purpose in life is to become more like Jesus. Our purpose in life is to become more like Jesus. Now, I know if you're trying to figure out your purpose, you're like, really, that's the answer you're going to give? You build us up about purpose, and then you're like, you're supposed to be like Jesus. Great. Okay, they don't have that degree in college, right? But here's the thing. I, I know that that can almost be cliche or disappointing, but that is the thing we're supposed to put at top, at the very top of our list, my goal is to be like Jesus. My goal is to uh, live in his likeness and his resemblance is to be like Jesus. So then every decision I make under that is under the thing of I want to be like Jesus. Now, I want to read you out of Ephesians 4.22, and it talks about the process of how to be like Jesus. It says, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Now, what this says is, is Paul is writing this to the church in Ephesus, and he says, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life. Now, when I think about throw, throw is a very uh, forceful thing. I, I mean, I, you could say violent. I don't know that I would say violent. But, you know, when you throw a baseball, you throw a baseball, you know, very hard, very forcefully, right? You, you don't kind of just toss it. So when he's, Paul is saying, hey, hey, throw off, throw off your old self, throw off your old sinful nature. It is a, a you know, a forceful process to make this happen. This isn't something that just happens overnight. You don't just decide right now, oh, I throw off my old self. It's something that happens on a daily basis. Uh, what I've been doing in Ground Zero 
is I tell the kids, we do service first, and then we go to the game room in the lounge. And I told them, I got up to preach. I said, everybody put their phones up. I said, you know, and they, they don't really believe you the first time. They kind of turn them off and set them down. I'm like, everybody, phone's in your pocket. I'm like, I don't want to see a phone out. I said, if I see your phone out, you do not get to go to the game room and lounge. After service, you have to call your parents and you have to go home. You don't get to go. Well, then everybody starts scrambling to put their phones up. There was a girl sitting right up here Wednesday night, and as she was so panicked trying to put her phone up, she threw it. She just threw her phone. She threw it across the room. And it's like she's so panicked trying to get it, she just throws her phone. And it's like, I'm not getting kicked out of here. Just get out of here, right? And that's what he's talking about when he says, throw off your old sinful nature. It's like, hey, I want this off of me. I want this out of my life. Get it out of here, right? Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life. See, when you get saved, you have your life before the cross. Then you have salvation and you have your life after the cross. It's called your testimony, right? At camp, they taught us one one year. Tell a 30-second story of your life before the cross, then tell a 30-second story of your life after the cross, right? And that's your testimony. Hey, before I was saved, I was eight when I got saved, but you know, before I was a bad kid. I was terrible, getting spankings all the time, telling my mama, don't talk to me like that woman. Then I got saved and I quit acting like that, right? None of that ever really happened. That's not true. I was an angel. Now, Ashley, on the other hand, we were glad when she got saved. She needed Jesus, it was like, thank you, Lord. Her senior year, we had to get her resaved because, yeah. But it's like you have your life before the cross and you have your life after the cross. See, he says, hey, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life. Your life should be different after Jesus. It should be in the likeness and the resemblance of Jesus. It should look like Jesus, right? I want to read you another one. Uh, This is Galatians 2.20. I love this verse. Uh, I memorized this verse at a very young age. It says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live this earth, I live, excuse me, so I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So look at the beginning of this. It says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. See, that right there is a confession. See, because he's saying, hey, throw your, your old self off. Throw your old sinful nature off in your former way of life. This is a daily process that you have to do. Right, if you snap at your kids, you say, you know, and after the fact, and you kind of realize, oh man, I messed up. You say, man, my old self has been crucified with Christ. No longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. When you have a fight with your spouse, even in the middle of it, you stop and say, I, I, you know, time out, I gotta go. Right, I gotta go lock myself in the bathroom. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Right, my old self has died. It hung on the cross with Jesus and was buried. It wasn't raised from the dead. Jesus was the only thing raised from the dead, and he lives in me. I am a new person, a new creation in Christ. Right, even when it's not true in your life, when you feel like it's not true, you you know, when you quote it, you know, if you say it out loud around your spouse and they're like, I wish you would die, you know, because you're so mad at each other. You you all been there, you know. Don't look at me like that, like I'm crazy. You know you've had those fights, right? And you say, man, you know, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. When you confess that, you're throwing off that old self. You're throwing it off. You say, God, reveal it to me. When I'm walking in my old self, show me so that I can throw that off because I'm supposed to be in the likeness and the resemblance of Jesus. So we need to live like Jesus. And probably most everybody in the room, I know, I know when I hear that, you know, when I, hey, be, be like Jesus. Like, okay, so I have to be perfect, right? I have to be perfect. I have to, I have to live this perfect lifestyle. Jesus was this awesome dude that like, 
never got upset, that was like super just chill all the time, coolest guy you've ever met. And, you know, that's just not me. That's not who I am. And and you think, well, maybe I, I, I need to get the Ten Commandments out, and I just need to start following those Ten Commandments, and, and then maybe, maybe, maybe then I'll be like Jesus. And you have to understand it's much bigger than that. It's much bigger than that, okay? Uh, Any time, we've gone places uh, with dad, vacation, you know, we'll go to Red River, we'll go other places, and we'll bump in, you know, dad talks to everybody. Dad's never met a stranger, okay? Dad will just talk to anybody, anywhere, doesn't matter who, how, what, when. Dad will talk to him. Uh, dad will start up a conversation, and someone will tell him his whole life story. We're like, dad, we gotta go, right? And people will go up to dad and be like, hey, I think I know you. I think I know you. And you know, you know how you go through the list when people say that? And you're like, well, I, he'll say, I grew up in Amarillo, went to school at Tascosa, you know, uh, lived in Tulsa for a while, went to Bible school. You've been to Ramah? No. I live in Tulia. And they're like, where's Tulia? And you're like, between Happy and Crest. They're like, where's Happy and Crest? And, and you go through the, and it's like, you've never met this person. See, and what, they, what that is, is they're not recognizing you. They recognize Jesus on the inside of you. They've had an encounter and experience with Jesus. And because Jesus is on the inside of you, that's what they see. That's what they notice, right? And they're like, hey, I think I know you. No, you don't know me, but you know the God on the inside of me. That's walking in the likeness and the resemblance of Jesus, right? That's throwing off that old sinful nature, that old self, and being crucified with Christ and now letting him live on the inside of me, right? And then what the devil wants to come and do and say, well, hey, follow these rules. You know, God, God gave Moses the 10 commandments. He told him, hey, you, you got to have rules, right? You only need 10 rules, okay? It's so funny. If you go back in Exodus and you read it, God speaks from the mountain and gives them the rules. And when he gets done, the Israelites tell Moses, hey, next time, would you let God talk to you? And then you talk to us? Because if we hear him talk again, we're probably all going to die. Right, that's how terrified they were after God spoke. They're like, we're probably all gonna die if that happens again. So if you could just be like the middleman for us because we don't wanna die. So they get the 10 commandments and then the religious leaders, like any good government, they take them and turn it in, into 650 rules. They're like, 10's not enough. We need 650 rules. And that's how many rules they turn the 10 commandments into. And, and it, got, it got nuts. It got out of control. And so then if we'll fast forward to the book of Matthew, Jesus is on the earth. He's grown. He's in his 30s. He's doing his ministry. He's going around. He's preaching. The Pharisees are ticked off. They're mad about what he's saying. And this group of Pharisees decide we're going to trip him up. We're going to trick Jesus, and he's going to say something stupid. And they're like, what are we going to do? They're like, let's ask him what the greatest commandment is. They're like, ooh, that's a good one. And so we jump into Matthew twenty-two thirty-five. It says, one of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap Jesus with this question, teacher, which is the most important commandments of the law of Moses? You can hear all the other ones around him. They're like, ooh. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is, and second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commands. So they say, you know, what's the greatest command? He says, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love everybody around you. Love God and love everybody around you. If you take the Ten Commandments out, uh, we don't have time this morning. If you listed them all, if you love God and you love everybody around you, you will keep every commandment there is. I'm not going to murder because I love God and I love everybody around me. I'm not going to lie to my wife because, number one, I love my wife and I love God. So I don't want to disappoint either of those people in my life, so I'm not going to lie. Right, And so, so they throw this question at him, and he turns around with one thing and says, hey, love God and love everybody around you, and it fulfills the law. 
See, and so, so when we say that, hey, we're supposed to be like Jesus, I gotta walk in the likeness and the resemblance of Jesus. The way I do that is I walk in love. I love God with all my heart, soul, and mind, and I love everybody around me. We're getting ready to go to camp. We always tell the leaders before we go to camp, the kid that annoys you the most needs you the most. Right, that coworker that annoys you the most needs you the most. Right, that, that, that brother-in-law or sister-in-law that annoys you the most, they need you the most. Right, they need what you have, which is Jesus. They need the love of Jesus on the inside of you. See, it says, my old self has been crucified. It's no longer I who live, but Jesus lives in me. It's not my love. Dad always says that human love is bankrupt. You don't have any, right? The only way I'm able to love is through Jesus. Jesus loves through me. Jesus, fill me up. You know, go back to confession. We talked about wisdom a couple weeks ago. And when we talked about, hey, God, give me wisdom. God, give me wisdom. The Bible says that if you ask for it, he'll give it to you. God, give me wisdom. God, help me love. Help me love, because I can't do it, right? I can't make it happen. A couple weeks ago, I I taught on uh, salt and light. If you haven't heard that message, go to the podcast and go listen to Upside Down. We talked about how we're supposed to be salt and light in the earth, bringing out the God colors and the God flavors, how that salt brings out the sweetness of life, right, and and suppresses the bitterness of life, right, because I walk in love. I walk in kindness. You know how amazing it is when you encounter someone and they're nice to you. When you encounter, whether you go into a restaurant and a waiter or a waitress, you go to a store and they're nice to you. Right, if you go in anywhere and they're rude to you, you're immediately like, forget this place. Right, I'm never coming back here again. This, the, you know, this was a terrible experience because you know how good kindness is, how far kindness can go. And we're supposed to walk in love. I'm supposed to love God and I'm supposed to love everybody around me. When I was back at Bible school, I posted on Facebook one time, love God and do whatever you want. And I just wanted to see what kind of response I would get. And I put, what do you think about this? Love God and do whatever you want. You know how Facebook brings up your memories, you know, and every so often it brings up that memory that that happened, you know, however many long moons ago. And it's like, you know, love God and do whatever you want. And the comments in it were, is that stupid? You're going to hell. You're a hypocrite. You know, Bible school students, they think they know everything, right? (laughs) They do, bunch of jerks. Now, we're not talking about you, Tabby, though. You're going to be one of the good ones. And uh, you, you think, you, you know, you just you get all these. But think about it. If I told you in marriage counseling, love your wife and do whatever you want. Love your husband and do whatever you want. You might think, well, that's not possible. I can't do that. And I would say to you, you don't understand love. You're looking at it from a selfish mindset. What you're reading is love yourself and do whatever you want. Well, I can't do that and please God, but you can love God and do whatever you want. Because see, I'm not gonna do anything to hurt God because I love him and I don't want to. See, like I said earlier, I love my wife, so I'm not gonna lie to her because I don't want to hurt her. But I'm gonna be honest and I'm gonna be truthful. Walk in love. I'm gonna love God and I'm gonna do what I want because that love is what drives me. That love is what compels me. That love is what guides me. Because see, to be in the resemblance of Jesus, I have to love. You know, when we had the parking lot redone out here, the crew came in and the crew, he told me, he said, I told my boss, I don't wanna ever work for another church again. And he said, but I'm giving, you know, I told him, I'll, I'll go try this church. And I can't tell you what colorful language he used to talk about Christians because he said they're terrible to work for. Why? Because 
I don't know, we're all self-righteous jerks, I guess, because we don't walk in love. And it doesn't mean that, that you let people run you over or give you a bad deal or treat you badly, but I'm gonna walk in love. Because Jesus said, hey, you were created in my image. Your purpose is, right, to walk in the way I walked, to love, to love. Now, when you put that at the top of your pile, when you live your life like that, then that guides everything else. See, when I decide, hey, Jesus, I wanna be like you, then picking a college, you put that as the filter. Hey, God, where do you want me to go? See, it's as simple as that. Let's say you're up for uh, maybe a transfer. You could transfer and take another job, or you're thinking about quitting and taking another job. I'm trying to decide, hey, I don't know what I should do. Ask God. Hey, God, show me. Tell me. Open a door. Close a door. Right? Hey, if I'm supposed to take this job, God, I pray you open the door. Right? Now, I'm going to do everything I need to to make that happen, but God, hey, if I don't get it, I'm believing that you close that door and you don't want me to take that path. If you've got a couple of, of college options, well, God, I pray you'll open the door to the right college, that you'll guide me, right? The Bible says that God will give you the desires of your heart. What, you know, what's in here? And the filter is, hey, God, I want to do what pleases you. I want to do, I want to go where I can bring you glory. I want to go where I can live out my purpose of being like Jesus, whether it's a different job, a promotion, maybe a, a transfer, whatever's going on in your life, whatever you're trying to decide what you have to do, what your next step is, hey, God, what do you want me to do? Can I do this and still live the way I wanna live? Can I do this and still walk in love? Can I do this and still have this be my purpose? Because our purpose is to bring Jesus everywhere we go. And don't get caught up in that your occupation is your identity. Amen?